so good to see so many of you here this morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, Today we're finishing up our series of messages on the Community Bible Experience, and we'll be looking at the final books of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. But let me just also give you a preview for what's coming up starting next week. We're going to be starting a series of messages called Scary Prayers, and we're going to be looking at some of the scariest, some of the riskiest, some of the most dangerous prayers you and I can possibly pray, and how God might use those. Um, Prayers that God is eager to answer and prayers that can really change us. So if you're interested in a little bit more about what's coming, there's a flyer in your programs today. You can check that out. Now, over the last two months, we've been reading through the New Testament. And as you've been reading, I've been encouraging you to find yourself in the story, right? As you're reading each day, what, what story is happening here and how can I find my life in that story? Today, we're going to find ourselves in the story once more as we look at a man who walked with Jesus and who was front and center in the life of Jesus. He was a man who was later kind of sidelined and was seen by many as insignificant later in life. He served as a missionary, and toward the end of his life, he was the leader of a church in a place called Ephesus. But then this guy, he was banished to live on a remote desert island, a prison island, where Roman emperors sent criminals in their final days to work rock quarries and mines. Yet even from there, God continued to speak and to use this man in amazing ways, and his message still speaks to the lives of millions, even today. That man is the Apostle John. In the writings of John, what we see is that he speaks about the good news of the message of Jesus and how we can live a victorious life regardless of the circumstances that we're under. Now, early in life, this guy John, he was a very different person. Um, if you actually read in the, in, the, in the Gospels, what you see is that Jesus nicknamed John and his brother James the Sons of Thunder. And the reason he gave them this nickname is because he had to correct them both at times for being filled with anger toward people. One time they were saying, Jesus, just call down fire from heaven. Just zap them. And... They just didn't have a lot of love and compassion in their lives. Yet, even even still, John would later give his life to serve Christ's church. And he would write five books that are in the New Testament. The Gospel and three letters that bear his name. As well as the book of Revelation, which is the final book of the Bible. The final book of the New Testament. And it was at least that one was one that he wrote from this island, this prison island called Patmos, while he was banished there. Now, we do know that this guy, John, he lived into his 80s and probably into his 90s. And throughout his life, he was just constantly going nonstop for Jesus. No matter what they did to him, he was determined to live a victorious Christian life. There was just nothing that could stop this guy. In his writings, he also tells us how we can do the same thing, how we can live a victorious Christian life. In essence, what he teaches us is that our faith is the ticket to living the life of an overcomer as long as we choose to cash it in. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit more about what that means in just a moment. But what he tells us is that our faith is that thing, that one thing that gives us the ability, no matter what circumstances we're facing in life, to truly live the life of an overcomer. For example, in the Gospel of John, John talks a lot about faith, right? And he uses the word believe about a hundred times in that book. John 3.16, for example, remember what it says? For God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever 
believes in him, they won't perish, they won't wither or decay, but they will have eternal life, everlasting life. They will live a life that is victorious. If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus this morning, please hear me, death cannot overcome us. We will be forever with God in heaven. That is a promise that is rock solid. But in, in the book of 1 John, John then carries this whole idea about living the life of an overcomer a step further. He says it's not just about living the life of an overcomer one day. It's not just about looking forward to and hoping to escape this awful, cruel world and being in heaven one day and being free from all of that and one day being an overcomer. No, John says the life of an overcomer is one that those who follow Jesus can and should be living every single day of their lives. And he says that is entirely possible. And he says it should be something we live into. The problem is that too many people, too many Christian people, live a life here and now that is far, far short of that. Their lives don't look anything like the life of an overcomer. Not because they can't, but because they don't choose to. They don't cash in the ticket. And without knowing any better, they totally miss out on all that God has for them in this life. It's kind of like the, the poor schmuck I heard about in California a few months ago who managed to lose $63 million all at one shot. 63. Can you imagine that? I mean, for me, losing $63 is a trauma. $63 million this guy lost all at one shot. You know how he lost it? He or she, I don't know who it was, Bought a lottery ticket at a 7-Eleven in L.A. several months ago, hoping that he would hit a huge jackpot. And he or she did, but for whatever reason, they never cashed in the ticket. And 180 days later, that little piece of paper worth $63 million all of a sudden became worth zero. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who gambles. I'm not the kind of guy who goes out and buys lottery tickets. But let me tell you something. If I had bought a lottery ticket, I would be like looking for an app on my phone that would ping me the very second the numbers were, were thrown up on the screen on the TV. I mean, I would be like, there's no way. I'm going to be at the 7-Eleven as soon as they call the number and I'm going to be getting my check. But for this guy, it's like, it makes you wonder, how in the world could you invest and, and not get the benefits of that ticket that you're holding? And then I heard, as I heard this story, then I heard that there's, there was a guy in Georgia a couple years ago even worse, he had a $77 million ticket, and he never cashed it in. And then there was a guy in England, $93 million ticket, never cashed. CNN Money says that there are about $2 billion of lottery prizes that go unclaimed every year. Not, I said million, billion with a B. I mean, can you imagine that? That is just, oh man, I just think there's so much I could do for God. If I could get $2 billion, you know what I'm saying? But spiritually speaking, what we're going to see from John today is that our faith, our faith is that ticket for us to totally live a victorious Christian life. That one thing, our faith is the ticket to allow us to live a victorious Christian life. Not just down the road, not just in the future, not just when we die, but today. You see, it's not our education, although that's helpful. It's not our, our career path or our accomplishments. It's not the size of our bank account or our 401k that makes us victorious. 
It's simply the faith that we possess in the one who owns it all, who controls it all, and who has it all. Yet there are millions of people, guys, there are millions of people who hold on to their ticket and they never use it. They don't take advantage of what it gives them in this world. They're like the guy from California. They just don't know any better. They don't realize what they're holding on to. I wonder today, spiritually speaking, if that describes you. If you're like the guy in California who probably still has a $63 million ticket stuck in his drawer and doesn't know any better. How, let me ask you, how would others describe your life? Would they, if, they were to, if I were to ask them about your life, would they say that you kind of live a life that's more or less beaten down? You know, that you're often having this defeatist attitude? Or do you truly live the life of an overcomer? Is that evident in the way you live your life? Not because you're putting on a show, but because you truly live into what Christ has promised you. Listen, listen. We all at times face challenges that knock us down. I get that. And if we get knocked down enough times, our perspective can start to change, right? We can feel beat down. We can feel angry. We can feel resentful. We can feel like, you know, life has dealt us a bad hand. And we might even start to act or behave defeated in this life. Like it's just too hard or it's too unfair or at least part of it is. And John would say to each one of us this morning, no, 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 no. Don't buy that. That is totally not true. Your faith ensures that nothing, nothing has to defeat you. Nothing has to destroy you. Nothing can tear you down unless you allow it to if you're a follower of Jesus. No difficult person, no evil, no disease, no power of darkness can stop you, can conquer you, or can defeat you if you're holding faith in Christ. It doesn't mean that your life is going to always be easy. I get that. Doesn't mean that you won't get knocked down every now and then. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that whatever comes at your way in this world, it cannot destroy you unless you allow it to. It can't destroy your resolve. It can't destroy your determination to overcome it unless you allow it to, if you are a follower of Jesus. Let's read and hear from John himself about what he has to say about this. First John chapter 5. I'm just going to read the first five verses that he shares here. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there with me, or you can just follow along with me on the screen. But listen carefully to what John has to say to us about living the life of an overcomer. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God, notice this, everyone born of God overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, if there were anyone in this world who had a right to feel defeated in life, to feel tired and just want to go into survival mode, if there was anyone who wanted to just sit down and quit 
and had the right to do so, it would have been this guy, John. I mean, imagine it. This guy, he's totally cut off from his family and friends, living on this island, this prison island, likely being forced to work alongside hardened criminals in rock quarries and mines. This is a man who church history says some people had forced to drink poison to try to get rid of him. didn't work. A guy who others tried to boil in oil, church tradition says. And somehow he survived that. Yet John is a man who says that all children of God are conquerors, are overcomers. As followers of Jesus, he would say, you and I, we are holding the winning ticket. And we can live the life of an overcomer here on earth. We can live a victorious Christian life. John says in this passage we just looked at, if we do three simple things. If we keep believing, if we keep obeying, and if we keep loving. I'm going to walk through those three things real quickly with you and just help unpack for you the, the, the power behind what he's sharing here in 1 John 5. Now, in verses 4 and 5, let's start there. He talks about how um, the one who overcomes is the one who keeps believing. You see, faith, faith isn't just a one-time confession or a prayer to God. It's something that we hold on to and we act on every single day. Hebrews 11 talks about how without faith it's impossible to please God, right? It says we're to stay confident in what we hope for and sure of what we can't see. And at the end of chapter 10 in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews actually says this. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. My righteous ones will live by faith, he says. But we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. How many of you have found yourself at times where you're shrinking back and you're feeling beat up and destroyed? You're not living a victorious Christian life. The conflict, the battle in your life may not be over. But if you align yourself with God, what Scripture says is the outcome, it's already settled. It's done. Whether it's faith that God will heal your body, restore a relationship, or guide someone you love who is hardened to faith, we, John would say to us, you have to keep believing. You have to keep trusting in the one who is far greater than you and wants to answer your prayer. Let me give you a good example of this to kind of explain what I'm talking about. A few days ago, God reminded me of how quickly I lose faith sometimes. You know, on Thursdays, I kind of put, put my, lock myself away and I try to write a sermon to share with you guys. And I don't know what the deal is between me and God, but every time I'm praying and I'm asking God to say, okay, God, what do you want me to say to them? God always sneaks up behind me and he nails me with the very same thing that I'm getting ready to tell you about. I just hate that. I do. And it happened again Thursday before last. As I'm trying to prepare this message and hear what God has to say about about continuing to believe and to trust God, um, my wife has this interaction with a next-door neighbor of ours. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, 
There was a time when we first moved into our neighborhood and I was working hard to try to build relationships with those with my neighbors and looking for opportunities to maybe build relationships in hopes that we might develop into where they would find a relationship with Christ, take a step closer to faith. And I kind of got to a point this year where I'm like, yeah, that's just not really happening. Good luck, Teresa. You know, is what I was thinking. And Teresa was having a conversation with one of our next door neighbors last week. And she said, you know what, Teresa, I just lost my mom this week. I'm really hurting. And, you know, this is a lady who said, I'm a universalist on a good day. I'm an atheist on a bad day. You know, not interested in your faith thing, Dave. But she continued to hold on to that relationship and to build that relationship. And of all the people in the neighborhood that she could go to to tell what she was going through, she chose Teresa. And she was hurting in part because what she shared was, you know, she said, my, my, I'm having a memorial service for my mom in a couple of days and I can't find anybody, I can't find a pastor who's willing, who has the time or is interested in doing the service for me and for my family. Because she didn't have a church home, she didn't have faith. And my wife was like, well, you know, I kind of know a guy who kind of lives in my house who's a pastor guy. I can see if he can help you out. You want me to have him give you a call? Yeah. So I, I actually show up at her house, and the night, the night before she's supposed to have this memorial service, and I'm knocking on her door, and I'm sitting down and talking with her and saying, okay, maybe I can help you tomorrow with this. And so we're talking a little bit about her mom's life and talking about what this service might look like to make it really special. And then this lady says, she says, okay, Dave, are you going to have some religious stuff to say tomorrow if you do this? What are you going to say? I'm like, okay, here we go. And I said, you know what? God's been putting on my heart to share a little bit about from the book of John in the New Testament, John 14. It's a place where Jesus um, talked about not losing hope, but, to trust, but trusting in God. And he talked about how he was, God, God is preparing a place for us in heaven, a place of many mansions, and that we are to put our faith in Christ as the only way. And I'm thinking as I'm saying this, oh my gosh, she's, gonna, she's not buying this at all. And she cuts me off. She says, you know what? That sounds good and all, Pastor, but I have, a, I have a better idea. I know what you can talk about tomorrow. All right, tell me. She says, my mom had this Bible, and I don't know how much she used it, but I did find this one little index card in it, and she had written something on that, and she had kept it in her Bible for a long time, so I know it must have been meaningful to her. Why don't you just talk about that? I'm like, okay, so what does it say? So she hands me this index card. And I start to read this lady's handwriting. and You're not going to believe what she had written on this card. John chapter 14, verse 1. Believe in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. I said, well, yeah, I think this is a great idea. Why don't we talk about this tomorrow? And she's like, you know what, Dave? This is a God thing. I think God's setting us. God, you've got to talk about this tomorrow. And so I go into this, the very next afternoon, I sit down with not only her, but her husband and all of her children and her entire family, and I talk for 10 or 15 minutes about the relentless love of God and how we are to live, a, God tells us that we can live a victorious Christian life, that we have this amazing place prepared for us where one day we will live in victory, but even today, if we put our faith and trust in Him, that we can live a victorious Christian life now, today. I just love how God works. Don't you? (laughs) 
But it was because my wife kept believing that that whole thing was even possible. So John says that those who live victorious lives in Christ are ones who believe, number one. They keep believing. But then he also says in those five verses there, they're ones who keep obeying as well. Now, I won't spend a lot of time on this. We talked about this already a few weeks ago when we talked about the life of James, remember? And how the big idea from the story of James, the book of James, is that we're to be faithful, we're to be obedient in the small stuff, right? We're to sweat the small stuff. James said, what good is it if you have all this faith and you believe, but you don't act on it, right? And he said, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And John carries this a step further where he talks about how sharing your faith, sharing your story is part of that. John said in the book of Revelation, he said, being an overcomer means being obedient to God, especially when it means telling others your story about what God is doing in and through your life. Revelation 12, 11, it says, they overcome, the people of God, they overcame through the power of their testimony, through their story, and sharing it with those who hadn't heard what God had done in their lives. It's one thing to open up the Bible or to hand somebody a tract. It's another thing to say, let me just tell you what God's done in my life. There's power in that. And John speaks to that. Being obedient also means stepping up to do hard things at God's leading in our lives rather than just going along with the lower expectations that people in the world have with those who are followers of Jesus. You know, my son and I have been reading this book lately. It's been really neat. We read it at night before he goes to bed. It's a book called Do Hard Things. And two teenage brothers wrote this book a few years ago. They were two brothers who were tired of the world having such low expectations of teenagers, especially teenagers who were followers of Christ. And they challenged teens in this book to be obedient to God, to do things that, par- your, that parents and other adults say, oh, you're, you're not old enough to do that. And they say, yeah, you are. Go do them and prove them wrong. But this is also a word, I believe, to us adults in the room as well. There's a speaker by the name of Joyce Meyer who said this once recently. She said, God doesn't tell us to do hard things so we can stand back and laugh and watch you struggle. He tells you to do the things he knows that are going to work out for your good in the end. Do you believe that? So John would say to you and I this morning, keep believing, keep obeying, and lastly, keep loving. Keep loving. A love that, it, that we, what he, John talks about in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is a love that never gives up on anyone. And it starts with God loving us that way. Now, in another part of the Bible, Paul talks about in Romans 8 that we are, you and I, we are more than conquerors because of the love that starts with God loving us. It's a love that conquers all. And Paul says that death, demons, the present or the future, height nor depth, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says that makes us more than conquerors. As you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, what you see is he just keeps talking about over and over again about the importance and the power of love. And he's telling us there, there's no fear in love. And he also says that if you say that you love God, but you don't love 
your neighbor, if you don't love your brother and sister, he says, you're a liar. You can't have it both ways. There's this, uh, we don't know how John's life ended. We don't know if he died on the island of Patmos or if he uh, was able to leave that place. There is one ancient writing that says that the emperor who put him in that prison on that island, when the emperor died, that the next emperor set him free and he went back to Ephesus to live out his final days. And that same ancient writing says that he was so old and so weak by that point that he couldn't walk anymore. And he had to be carried around on a pallet wherever he went. And it, there's this, in this old ancient writing, it describes how he would be brought into church meetings on this pallet. And he would just look at people in the eyes, even his older age. And he would say, listen, dear children, love one another. He would say it over and over again. Little children, love one another. Sometimes, yeah, loving people that way, loving our enemies, loving those people who we know just have it in for us. It's hard, isn't it? Especially with those who are angry at us and just want nothing better than for us just to go away. But John would tell us this morning that it's never impossible. Now, I'm a bit of a history buff. Um, I love reading about the Civil War in particular in this country. And one of the stories that's always meant the most to me, that's that's impacted me, me, is a guy, a, a Union guy, a Northern guy by the name of Francis Barlow. Maybe you've never heard this story. Francis was a young lawyer uh, when the war broke out in 1861. And the day he married this woman named Arabella, it was the same day that he answered President Lincoln's call to join the war effort. So he married Arabella, and then he took off to go fight in this war. And Arabella soon followed him as a war nurse, and she would kind of follow along the Union Army wherever they went to care for the sick. And on the bloodiest day of the Civil War, the day of the Battle of Antietam in Maryland, she arrived just in time to see her husband being carted off the field with injuries to his groin, to his neck. There was even a shot to his face. They didn't think he was going to make it. But she nursed him back to health. And then she did the same thing a year or two later at Gettysburg. By this time, Francis, because of you know, his bravery, he had been risen to the rank of brigadier general. And on the first day of Gettysburg, July 1st, 1863, he and his men were caught in this one spot outside of town, and they were very quickly surrounded by Confederate forces. And it just threw the, his whole, uh, his whole uh, troop into confusion, and they took off. And he was shot in the left side. And he fell to the ground, and as he was trying to drag himself off the battlefield, he was shot again, and a musket ball shot him and split his spine in half. In that moment, he was as good as dead. And, you know, as the story goes, the romantic side of this story is that his wife, Arabella, finds out about it. She's able to work her way through Union lines, get to him, get him off the battlefield, and nurse him back to health again. And he lives another 30 years. But I think the powerful part of this story isn't Arabella's part of the story. What I'm struck most by this story is that it's a story of love conquering even the most bitterness of bitter hatred. You see, when Francis Barlow fell on that battlefield that day, a general from the other side, a Confederate general, saw him go down. 
And rather than just finishing Barlow off or just leaving him to die, General John Gordon rode over and gave him some water out of his canteen. And then General Gordon picked up this Union general and brought him, set him underneath a tree and started carrying on a conversation with him, fully expecting that he would die as he was carrying on the conversation with him. As, as General Gordon was talking with this Union soldier he had never met before, this, this competing, this enemy general, Francis looks at this general and says, you know what? My wife's out there somewhere. She's out on the other side. She's across your Confederate lines. I don't know where she is in all this chaos, but she's out there. And I want her to come to me. Can you find her for me and bring her here? And would you believe he did? He personally stopped and he made sure she was found and brought to him. And because of that, this guy who everyone had kind of written off was as good as dead, was nursed back to health once again. Love has the power to conquer all. Even the most divisive, the most bitter hatred that can arise up between people against nations. The power of love is a powerful thing. And it reminds me in those moments when I want to give up on somebody and think they're not worth it to remind me to keep loving, just as the Apostle John kept begging us to do some 2,000 years ago. I've seen it firsthand in my wife's family and even in my family how God can just supernaturally intervene in these situations when we keep believing and we keep trusting and we keep being obedient and we keep loving. And he can, he can mend some of the worst, most difficult circumstances, relationships imaginable. I bet you've seen it too. Each day, those of us who are followers of Jesus walk around with a winning ticket in our hands. It's a ticket that can see us through the most difficult of trials. It's a ticket that can overcome the most bitter hatred with the power of Christ's unconditional love. And the question I think that we're to look at this morning is, when we encounter those situations, how do we respond? Do we throw in the towel? Do we give up and just see the situation as hopeless? Or do we use our ticket? Do we cash it in? Do, we, do we, we bank on the faith that we've been carrying around and use that faith to allow God to work in and through our lives? Our faith, guys, our faith is our ticket to living the life of an overcomer as long as we choose to use it. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, let me ask you this morning. I know that this conversation that I've been having with you might be a little bit different for you. You're probably receiving it in a different way and you're trying to figure out how does this relate to me. I guess what I would ask of you this morning, if you've never placed your faith or trust in Christ, is what's holding you back? If you were, I mean, if you were really honest with yourself, what's holding you back? Is it some theological hurdle that you're trying, philosophical hurdle you're trying to cross? Is it that you're trying to get all the answers? Or is it that you just have a difficult time trusting? I don't think it's any coincidence that you're here today if you're in that place. I believe God wanted you here today for this reason. And to challenge you this morning, what would it look like for you to trust in a God that you can't see, but a God that John tells us loves you 
more than you will ever understand. A God who screams off the pages of Scripture, I love you, I was willing to die for you. I accept you just as you are. Listen, living the life of an overcomer, it's not just about heaven. It's not just about looking forward to that one day by and by when everything is going to be okay. John would say living the life of an overcomer is experiencing heaven here, now, today. By using the faith that God's given us to live the life of an overcomer. Don't live another day beaten down and defeated. Keep believing, keep obeying, and keep loving, and watch what God can do. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, I just sense in this room as we are standing here or we're sitting here, Lord, that you're working, that you're doing some incredible stuff, that you're molding and shaping hearts right now, that you're taking hearts of stone and you're just softening them. Lord, for some of us here today, we walked into this room this morning beaten down, assuming that you know, we just kind of have to plod through another day. We've got to navigate all these challenges and struggles that we're facing. And Lord, forgive us for those moments, for those of us who are followers of yours at least. Forgive us for those moments when we doubt you. Forgive us for those moments when we just focus on what's in front of us and not these promises that you've given us. Lord, may we look at the life of John, one who drank poison and was boiled in oil and thrown onto a prison island in the middle of nowhere, yet was one, was one who said, I am an overcomer. Nothing can stop me because the power of God is in me. Lord, may we live into that each and every day. In those moments when we start to doubt in you, God, would you just grab us by the neck and remind us of all those times you've been faithful in our lives and in the lives of those we love Make those images flash back over our minds once again of how you have lovingly walked with us and been faithful even when we haven't been faithful. And Lord, give us the courage to take that step of faith once again and to trust you. If you're here this morning, as I was sharing earlier, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you have never said yes to Christ, if you've never truly put your faith and trust in him i would encourage you this morning to take that step of faith it's not as big as you might think it is simply saying god i put my faith and trust in you i surrender my heart my life to you to do with whatever you will if you've never prayed that prayer or maybe if you have years ago and you've kind of walked away from faith maybe now is the day that you just kind of push the reset button on all this And you say, God, I I want you back in my life. I want what I once had. I want to have that life of victory that I once experienced every single day. If that's you, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me as well. And allow God entrance back into your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And God, I I thank you for bringing me here. I I thank you for giving me this opportunity to just come face to face with this faith thing once again. 
God, I ask that you would come into my heart and that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, there lot, there's lots to look at there. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all of it, that you would cleanse me, that you just wash it away, to put it as far away as the east is from the west, as you say in the Bible. Lord, I thank you for that promise. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit as I confess that you are my God, my Savior, my Lord, and I trust you. God, I ask that you would come into my life today and begin to fill me with your spirit and change me from the inside out. Over time, Lord, I ask that you would make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. Lord, turn me as maybe a son or daughter of thunder into a banished missionary who is living the life of an overcomer. Lord, if you can do it for him, I know you can do it for me. And I trust you. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.